Uh, what are a couple teams that you could see next year making a lot of moves in the college football landscape? I really hope Coastal Carolina can continue what they did this year and become like a legitimate team next year. Nickelodeon brought in 2 million viewers for this game. I know we watch it on Nickelodeon because we're like, you know what? We, we, we'll just, let's just see how this is. We want to at least check it out for a little bit. And it was so ridiculous that we just wanted to keep watching it. Mitch Trubisky taking the MVP, baby. What a legend. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the WNP podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mitchelson, and join me today, as always, my co-host, Chase Crawshaw. Chase, how are we doing? I am pretty swell, actually. Uh, hockey starting tonight as of us recording, so super excited for that. NFL playoffs are currently going on. Can't hate on that at all. Uh, you know, we, we did pretty solid in our predictions last weekend. Could have been a little better, but I mean, at the same time, can't complain. Just happy that I was able to see my boy Josh Allen and the Bills win. You know, we can't wait to watch them win the Super Bowl later on uh, in the month of February. But yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm doing all right overall. How are you? Jeez, you're really trying to get my dad to like you, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. I am doing really good as well. And I am very excited for some more football. I think we got some really good matchups this week. Uh, Going to be really excited to watch Brady and Breeze, two of the goats, uh, probably the the two top goats, honestly, in my opinion. I mean, you got the most accurate quarterback of all time, and the most Super Bowl reigns of all time. So, uh, great matchup there, and a couple other great matchups as well. Very excited to see what happens in the future with the NFL playoffs. However, we have to recap the college football playoffs. First, uh, this game, Alabama beats Ohio State, and it really wasn't very close because some of the play calling after uh, Ohio State went down, uh, what was it, 28-17, I think it was, the play calling just for some reason halted on Ohio State's end. Yeah, you know, it, it was strange. They they dominated uh, against Clemson, and they came into this game, and I know that they didn't have Trey Sermon for like really any of it. So it's a difference maker there because he really broke out to end off the season and was playing like a kind of like dominant, you know, franchise type of like running back. But you still have Justin Fields throwing the ball. You you should be able to figure things out. And they just they just never really fully figured it out. Uh, Yeah, the the play calling was was a little sus, honestly, Um, like offensively, defensively. Some questionable calls, questionable decisions. Uh, just overall, they they could have played a much better game than they did. Um, it, it was kind of disappointing to see, honestly. Like I, I wanted a better competition than we got in that game. Yeah, absolutely, and it it almost I don't want to say that it was the game was over at halftime, but it almost felt that way with how the first half ended. The final score of that game being Alabama 52 and Ohio State 24. Um, the the one thing that you just absolutely hate to see, like Chase mentioned, Trey Sermon going out, but also Devontae Smith going out. Uh, Devontae Smith had an absolutely huge game, and he was only able to play, what, a quarter and a half, two quarters of the game, uh, or maybe he even made it past halftime. But, uh, no, he, he played the he first was, half, that was it. He was absolutely phenomenal, and then 
He goes out with a what looked to be a hand injury. So uh, unfortunate there. Hopefully he heals in time for the NFL Combine and the NFL Draft because he's really going to be a high pick. And you definitely want to be healthy to you know experience everything there. But a couple things I wrote down here uh, right after the game. Uh, OSU's play calling was just terrible. With a minute 45 left in the first half, they were down by two scores. And they run on first down, do a screen pass on second down, and then run the ball on third down, and then punt the ball away on fourth down. What is that? I mean, Justin Fields is a top two quarterback in the nation when it comes to college football. Why don't you utilize him? But speaking of Justin Fields, it did not look like he was into it. It looked like he was hurt. He felt sorry for himself. He didn't look like the leader that he was in the Clemson game. I mean, everything you just said right there was a hundred percent spot on. I, I can't disagree with any of it. It was really disappointing the way he played. He was, yeah, he really just didn't figure it out. He couldn't get in the rhythm. He just, it, it just, he couldn't connect with his players. Just flat out playing simple. It, like his teammates, it just wasn't working. And then in terms of coaching, it was just soft bush league. You can't coach like that in the national championship. If you took your team to the national championship, you should be a better coach than that. It's kind of embarrassing. Uh, you know, you can argue that they kind of had a. Really, they had a cakewalk through the Big Ten this year because the Big Ten, uh, the teams that were supposed to be good struggled, and the teams that weren't supposed to be good were either not good or just above average. So Big Ten kind of, or uh, Ohio State kind of breezed through the Big Ten and got hot against Clemson. So against Bama, they showed that you know maybe they aren't the second best team in the country like we thought, and it it just looked really bad. Uh, you know the, the coaching, I, I really like you know Ryan Day, just, just him in general. I, I just. I never really liked the hire in the first place. It, I mean, I, I don't really care that much because I hate Ohio State, but it just, I don't know. It was a weird transition from Urban Meyer to him, I thought, and they haven't really had that much success. I mean, they, they've obviously been a really good team because they're Ohio State, but, you know, you would expect maybe a national championship by now. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I posed this question to some family members. I'm going to pose it to you as well as all of our listeners. Um, Ryan Day is is he a, a good coach, a, a really great coach, or did he just inherit a good team? And before I let you, I mean, I, I feel like I know where you're going after uh, what you just had to say, but I just wanted to bring up some more play calling, just absolute blunders. With four seconds left in the first half, they took a knee instead of trying to take a shot. Why not take a shot? I mean, you're already down three scores. What's the worst that can happen, right? And then with five minutes left in the game, uh, on 4th and 15, they decided to punt the ball instead of going for it. I mean, you're you're down 28, so it sucks. Five minutes left, tw- down 28. You know, not much good is going to come out of that. But to punt the ball, that's just giving up. So I, I, I am on the side that Ryan Day inherited a good team. He's not a great coach. What say you? He did not inherit a good team. He inherited a great team. That that is a national championship contending team, and they did it despite his play call and despite his coaching. They showed that they are that type of team. Uh, bring someone else in who they, they can leave the opponent guessing whether they're doing on offense and defense, and they can actually you know take shots and have some balls like they're you're supposed to that level. They would have won that game honestly. Alabama is a great team. I had a feeling they were going to win. They went out and dominated, but it's because Ohio State was predictable the whole time. If you know you would have brought a little bit of Oh, a little pizzazz or a little a little bit of this, a little bit of that, blah, blah, blah. Just something different, something they weren't expecting. You might have caught him off guard. could have gotten a big play. You could have gotten a set. could have gotten a pick. You could have you done something, but just nothing was done. 
Yeah, and this really reminds me, and and anyone who's listening, if you disagree, let us know. Put it down in the comments, or if you're listening on a podcast platform, then tweet at, tweet at us at WNP Sports Pod. Um, but it, it reminds me a lot of what a lot of people say is a top 10 NFL head coach and Mike Tomlin. I mean, Tomlin hasn't been able to do anything and the only time he won his Super Bowl was the year after he inherited the team where Bill Cowher already just did all the work for him. So uh, Tomlin wasn't able to find success with Big Ben, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Why? How? I No idea. Uh, but it reminds me of Ryan Day, a, a guy who inherited a phenomenal team, but him himself, not an amazing coach. Yeah, I agree, and I know like the Mike Tomlin talks kind of off topic, but I really, I really want to talk about like, Mike Tomlin because I really like that comparison. Uh, you know, when the, when the Pittsburgh Steelers started eleven and zero this year, people were like, "See, look, Mike Tomlin's a great coach." Well, I mean, they played like nine terrible teams, so they they should be expected to win. And then they uh, played the Ravens with just depleted from COVID, didn't have Lamar. Like uh, they they got like all the benefits you could have imagined. And then once he started playing real teams later on in the season, uh, I mean, like the Bengals, yeah, like the Bengals, you saw what happened. <laughs> um, like Tomlin is, yeah, he really is just brutal. Like they, they don't do anything. Uh, the fact that in the playoffs, this team that started out eleven and zero lost to a Browns team who didn't have their head coach, and the Browns put up the numbers that they did. I know they started coming back a little bit. That that's because you don't have your normal head coach. He doesn't know how to properly, you know, ad- adjust the, the play calling and the schemes and that type of situation. But the fact that they did what they did against the Steelers, even for the half, and then continued to hold on to the win, it's it's embarrassing. It's bad on the Steelers' behalf. It's bad on Tomlin's behalf. I know he's not getting fired anytime soon, but he really should. Yeah, I agree, and we'll hop into that some more in just a couple of minutes here. Um, end of the season, Alabama wins it. Uh, very well-deserved, uh, but let's take a quick look into the future, Chase. Uh, what are a couple teams that you could see next year making a lot of moves in the college football landscape? It's just, it's the same teams that you expect every year. I really hope Coastal Carolina can continue what they did this year and become like a legitimate team next year. I know obviously they're legitimate this year, but maybe they can actually push for the college football playoffs. If they go undefeated next year, I, you can't not put them in the playoffs. Honestly, they only lost one game this year was to Georgia and it was a really close game. A game that they held lead for most of the game too. So if they really go undefeated next year, I just truly think regardless of who else is above them, you can't deny them a, a playoff spot. But other than that, it's, it's going to be the same teams. It's going to be the Bama. It's going to be the Clemson. It's going to be the Ohio States. Georgia's going to be back in that mix. Oklahoma should be in that mix, too, especially with Spencer Rattler uh, at quarterback going into his junior season. He should be dominant. Yeah, so I, I honestly think that this year could be one of the the few years where Alabama doesn't make it to the college football playoff. Let me tell you why. So they're going to lose more amazing pieces to the draft. Obviously, Mac Jones, their quarterback, he's gone. Uh, they got a five-star waiting in the wins. He could be great. But Spencer Rattler was waiting in the wins, and he looked kind of average to start the year. Uh, that's why they weren't in the playoffs, because they lost two of their first three games. Um, so I think that could be the case for Bama. And I think Georgia's just going to be so good in the SEC next year. Uh, 
JT Daniels is on his way back. Uh, they're going to have a great run game as uh, again. And then um, George Pickens, he's an amazing wide receiver. And they've got some other really talented wide receivers coming in through recruiting. Uh, I just think that if Georgia can field a good defense, and it is going to be hard because they lost four starting defensive backs to either the draft or the transfer portal this year. But if, if they can get that defense down, I think Georgia's going to be an absolute threat in the uh, in the SEC. And then I think you got to look at Clemson. I think DJ Owegalele, Owegalele, uh, he's awesome. Yeah, ukulele, really good. Um, really good player, and you expect them to be back. And then also Cincinnati, I expect them to be back because their starting quarterback's coming back. And the the team overall, I mean, just looked great. And they are losing some pieces, but they are getting some returning pieces as well, like I said, with their starting quarterback. So keep an eye on that. But here's one for you, Chase. Give me give me Texas. Now, I, I don't think Texas is going to be a playoff team, but they've got Steve Sarkeesian coming over from Alabama. They've got that phenomenal running back, Bijan Robinson. Um, so I, I think that... Texas could have a chance to really surprise some people. Who's going to be throwing the football, though? Sam Ellinger's entering the draft. Uh, like, Who's throwing the football? I have no idea who their next in line is. Yeah, I, I mean, that is the hard part. But do you really need someone to throw the football when you got Bijan back there? I mean, you need, like, this isn't Navy. This isn't Georgia Tech. You need to throw the ball a little bit. They play, you know, in, in a tougher competition. If you can't throw the ball at all, you're not going to have any success. So if they have a guy who can throw the ball at at least a moderate level, then sure, I could see this happening because Bijan could like he could be a borderline based on his just pure talent. If he gets the workload, he could be a borderline Heisman candidate next year, uh, running back of the year candidate. So it's not impossible, but I, I'm not voting on it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's just a really hot take. But I, I love what Steve Sharkeesian has done over with Alabama, the offensive creativity that he's brought to that team. Uh, you saw it on full display against Ohio State in the bowl or in the uh, national championship. And I think he could bring some of that to Texas if they can find a quarterback in their system right now that can take that lead role and really put something together. Then who knows? This Texas team could surprise some people. Uh, again, not saying they're going to be in the playoffs, but a team to look out for with a very smart, offensive minded head coach and then a really, really talented running back in the backfield there. But uh, that's going to do it for our college football talk. We're going to go into the NFL wild, super wild card weekend, I should say. Uh, Chase, overall thoughts on the super wild card weekend, having six games over two days. What were you thinking? You know, there, there was some solid football. It would have been awesome to see Washington come out with that win. Taylor Heineke, I mean, he he really showed that he deserves to be an NFL quarterback. You know, just a month ago, he wasn't an NFL quarterback. A month ago, he was finishing up college classes. I was reading something, he had an email professor saying, hey, I'm uh, in, in the NFL playoffs right now. I can't take my exam. Maybe they'll push me back. And the professor's like, all right, yeah, we, we can work this out for you. Um, so he he really deserves a chance, and like, he's, he's earned it to be at least an NFL backup, uh, someone that you can trust going in if you really need him to. Because he, he did everything right. He didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, it would have been great to see Washington come out that win, but they didn't. But moving on to the other games, uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed the Bills game, the Bills and Colts. It was a good matchup, except for the fact that Phillip Rivers can maybe throw the ball seven yards down the field. It's kind of embarrassing. I know you have some thoughts on that, too. Yeah, um, if if Phillip Rivers can 
put on an NFL jersey, go out on Super Wildcard Weekend, and throw the ball like he was, then I'm just waiting for my contract because, my goodness, the guys always had a weird throwing motion, but, like, the ball was so inaccurate. It was underthrown. I don't think it was ever overthrown because he nope. just doesn't have the power anymore. Um, I, I like Phillip Rivers. I think he was a great quarterback, but I, I think it's time for him to, you know, hang up the cleats because it it did not look great. And I think if you had even a Carson Wentz, and I know Carson Wentz looked absolutely terrible this year, but I think if Carson Wentz was implemented into the Frank Reich system, then I think the Colts could have beat the Bills. I mean, it was only a three-point game. So uh, I think Phillip Rivers really did some damage to the team more than helping the team. But, uh, you know, a a good game, I'll agree. And I I did like what I saw out of the Bills. Overall, the Super Wildcard weekend, I I really had a lot of fun with it. I'm very excited that, uh, well, it it was a one-year trial. I fully expect it to be back. Um, so I was going to say I'm super excited to see it next year, but, I mean, you never really know if it's coming back, but you, you got to assume it is, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be shocking if not. It's going to – it definitely got to stay this way, uh, if, especially if the NFL is extending, like, uh, to, you know, 17 games a season. Just just keep more teams playing in the playoffs. Keep Give more games for the fans. Get makes you more money. makes the players more money. Like, you might as well just keep doing it. Like, it, it, it was a ton of fun this way. Sure, you can't be second place team and get a buy, but honestly, if you're the second place team, do you deserve a buy? No, be first place, then you can get that buy. So I've got, I've got, you know, I I love it. I've got no issue, but I do want to say, uh, kind of not off topic, but kind of off topic. We haven't talked about the best part of this weekend yet. Yeah, I was actually just about to bring that up. So that's a great transition, Chase, Perfect. because the Bears Saints game was the most watched game this weekend. And I have no idea why, because the game itself was terrible. But I think it's because of the network that it was on. The network of Nickelodeon brought in 2 million viewers for this game. I know we watch it on Nickelodeon because we're like, you know what? We, we, we'll just let's just see how this is. We want to at least check it out for a little bit. And it was so ridiculous that we just wanted to keep watching. It started off really bad and really cringy. It got better at the end, like towards the end, like second half, like we could watch it no problem. We were rooting to see some slime. Um, uh, it, it was it was just a really strange thing. But honest, honestly, it was cool. Like I I hope they can continue doing things like that. You know, it's just a way for kids to get into the game. Um, shoot, I don't remember. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Joe Montana. I I don't know. But it, it was an ex NFL quarterback. They posted on Twitter um, that. Like they have a special needs son and their son never watched football with him ever until this weekend. Finally, because his son loves Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon's his favorite thing. So he finally watched football with him and his son is in his twenties or thirties. Uh, so, you know, something like that, like that, that's just incredible that, you know, it's great to see that's, you know, it's kind of what it's about. It's about getting in a new audience that you wouldn't have gotten in before. So they, they got to keep this going. Yeah. And I, I think there's two, maybe three highlights of the the game and the coverage from Nickelodeon. Uh, first highlight that I can just remember so vividly, comparing Elvin Kamara to Elvin and the Chipmunks. Absolutely love the comparisons. I yeah. I, <laughs> I thought they were so funny and, um, you know, pretty creative. And the kids were able to get into it a little bit more with those uh, comparisons. Absolutely love that. thought it was hilarious. Um, then the MVP. Come on, (laughs) Mitch Trubisky taking the MVP, baby. What a legend. Uh, Chase, I'll let you comment on the MVP. I want to get this in there really quickly, though. Uh, Jimmy Graham, 
his last second one-handed grab and then run straight to the locker room. Absolutely love that as well. But uh, I, I think it's so funny that the amount of, I don't know, teenage to, I don't know, 20s, 30s year olds that were watching on Nickelodeon and just spamming Mitch Trubisky for the MVP, absolutely hilarious. It, it really was. And that, that play at the end, that was the best play of the game, honestly. That catch was phenomenal. Uh, if that was in the middle of the game, it would have been awesome. But the way that ended, it was just, just catching it and then just walking off because you know you lost and your career might be over, honestly, for Jimmy Graham. Uh, it, it, it was it was pretty funny to see. But, uh, yeah, you know, Mitch getting those MVP votes, I w- was devastated when I decided or when they decided they weren't going to interview him and they weren't going to slime him or anything like that because he lost. You know, If you're going to put... This like this photo, like you, you know, you got kids watching Nickelodeon. You've got, you know, people like really watching football for Nickelodeon from the ages of like five to like twelve is what you're expecting for that demographic. Um, that's an age where they're not gonna just freely go online and vote for these people without their parents' permission. So the people that are gonna vote for that are the people like us who just want anarchy. So everyone voted Mitch Trubisky. He was not having that good of a game. Uh, he, he, he did fine, honestly. Like he, he could have been way better, but he could have been way worse. He has been way worse. But how are you not going to vote for Mitch Trubisky? <laughs> he had like 50% of the vote, uh, and it was clearly just like a meme joke. But like, how do you how do you not expect it from the out of that? Yeah, honestly, and I think Nickelodeon, if they do another Super Wildcard Weekend coverage next year, they're going to plan for that. So what they'll do probably is who do you think the MVP of this team is versus the MVP of this team? And whichever team wins, the MVP from that specific team will get the award, will get slimed um, because they do not want to do this again (laughs) because trust me, we'll find a way to ruin it again. Oh, yeah. Great time, though, with the Nickelodeon coverage, even though the game overall, not that great. Um, but, you know, some some solid overall games. Chase, do we want to talk about the Browns and Steelers now and kind of how surprised we were that the game started 28 to nothing? Yeah, I mean, holy hell. Like, it was far from what I expected. I was looking forward to watching that game. Then that happened, I'm like... Honestly, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to take a nap. And I, I went and, and napped for like 45 minutes because there was no chance. I woke up. It was a little bit closer. Steelers were kind of coming back a little bit. But still ended up with a Browns win. You know, their first playoff win and who the hell knows how long. Their first playoff appearance in so long, too. So, you know, good for them. I'm happy that the fraud Steelers finally, you know, they, they the season got ended. Season ended, I should say. I, I don't know. That, that didn't sound right. But regardless, I'm happy that the Steelers are, are done because they were frauds. They should not have been an 11-win team. It was really embarrassing to go out and have a team put up that many points on you that quickly. I'm pretty sure it was a record. Yeah. You know what else is really embarrassing? Um, not calling the Steelers out as frauds by week four. Like that's really embarrassing. I, I couldn't imagine not doing that because honestly, like, Oh my goodness. I mean, we knew it was there. I mean, you can go back to our week four episode where, we called out the Steelers and said, hey, there's something about them that just isn't working. They're, they're kind of fraudulent. And, uh, hey, what do we see? The Steelers getting eliminated first round of playoffs to the Cleveland Browns without their head coach. So uh, absolutely terrible. But before we hop into predictions for the wild or not the wild card round, excuse me, the divisional round, I do want to talk about head coach uh, or head coaches, head coaching vacancies. Um, we have seven vacancies right now. And I want to talk about 
the worst vacancies because there's just been stuff like swimming through my brain right now about what's bad, what isn't. Um, you know, Chase, I think you mentioned on the last episode, you were laughing. You're like, you know what stinks uh, with all these head coaching jobs out there? I'm a fan of the Lions and they have the worst one. Well, I don't know if I agree with that anymore. There's been some changes happening, uh, like, you know, a superstar quarterback demanding a trade or not demanding a trade. I, I shouldn't say that, but, um, you know, just cutting off communication with ownership. And then there's rumors of a trade happening. Uh, you know, that's kind of a big change. I don't know if you, you know, you follow along with that same thinking. Um, then there's also, you know, a, a, a quarterback controversy in a brand new coaching uh, vacancy. So, you know, th- there's a couple situations out there that are pretty bad. I want to know what you think is the worst. Do you still think it's the Lions? So in terms of the actual roster we given to you, I would say it's the Lions because, you know, Stafford is still a good quarterback, but he's got a massive cap. You can't really do a whole, whole lot with it. But because of the shape of the franchise and it's just falling apart and shambles, nobody wants to be there. X players are saying that's a shitty place to be. Like it, The Texans, it's it's hard to kind of like go against them. Like, oh, my Lord, Andre Johnson just coming out and saying, yeah, I don't put up with this BS. Uh, go ahead, do what, what you can do elsewhere where someone actually cares about you, D-Watts. Then uh, D-Hops is saying the same thing. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm out. I'm happy pretty much, essentially, what he was tweeting. So everyone's going against the Texans right now. The fact that a franchise can be that embarrassing and that that many people are on board with their superstar quarterback getting out of town, that's embarrassing. Yeah, and I, I think that the Houston job would be the... The least appealing because with the trade rumors of Deshaun Watson and with the obvious frustration from Deshaun Watson, you don't want to take on that job. I mean, I I, I was talking about when Doug Peterson got fired, um, which is breaking news, by the way. We didn't talk about that last oh, yeah. episode because it didn't happen until this episode. We'll talk more about uh, Doug Peterson and you know some of the some of the things he said and how he's handled the firing, which is a little um, eyebrow raising to me. Um, but I, I originally thought when that firing came, I do not want to be the head coach of the Eagles. You got a QB controversy. The only the owner loves Carson Wentz, but that's a huge cap hit in the way that. Carson Wentz played you want to get that off the books give Jalen Hurts a shot uh ownership is very hands-on are you going to be able to get the end-all be-all say in the situation maybe not um but I I think that the Texans have it worse right now yeah real quick on the Eagles though uh whoever whatever is decided with all those vacancies and stuff um go go send Carson Wentz to Indy and get whatever you can in return just even if you get like a fifth round pick, just, just take it, get him off the books. Um, just get him out of the franchise. He doesn't want to be there. He's not going to be a positive for you, but yeah, the, the, it's the Texans. It's really, it's really embarrassing to have a top, maybe top three, um, probably top five quarterback in the league and be that ugly of a, of a place to go. Like it's just, it, it's really embarrassing that the McNair family let the team get to where it is. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So let's talk about the Doug Peterson thing and kind of how he handled the whole situation. So obviously we talked about week 17. He benched Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfield, a very interesting choice as they were going up against the football team and could have eliminated the football team from playoff contention. But instead they decide, you know, Nate Sudfield will give us the best chance to win. Not Carson Wentz, not Jalen Hurts, but... uh, Nate Sudfeld. So we talked about that, how that was kind of crazy. Well, once he gets fired, he kind of didn't seem bothered. He kind of seemed like he wanted out anyways. He talked about how he didn't get enough control. He talked about how uh, when asked about, you know, how are you feeling? He goes, eh, I'm over it, which kind of I, I don't I don't really like that thinking of it because that just shows how soured the relationship was. And also saying he didn't feel like he got much control. Wouldn't you think you'd do your research before you take a job? You know, if, if ownership is very hands-on, which from a spectator that's sitting his ass on the couch, I can see that the Eagles' ownership is very hands-on. You would think that he would know that too before entering into this job. Yeah, you would think, but honestly, the way he coached, like it, he doesn't doesn't think the brightest guy to me. Honestly, I'm not, not never a really big fan of him as a coach. Sure, you know he won a Super Bowl. I don't know how much of it was him compared to his coordinators and his team, um, but you know he never really thrilled me as a coach as a guy. Um, so it, it's really not even like shocking the way he acted. It didn't really like be like wow that that's crazy to me because it, it it just it fits him for me for some reason. Uh, you know if 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 you're gonna have those types of comments feeling sure you can have those um if you get hired into a job and things change you know that that's one thing but as you just mentioned anybody can see how the eagles run their team if you think that you're gonna get to call the shots and no one's gonna question you like you're just wrong that's not the job for you you have to be willing to compromise you have to be willing to listen to the people above you and honestly it's that's that's not that's not a fun environment to coach in so i don't i don't blame him for you know not being bothered by being moved on from but just don't go in that environment if you're going to be like that. Yeah, absolutely. And isn't it kind of crazy that we're talking about the worst head coaching vacancies and we haven't brought up the Jets. We haven't brought up the Jags. We haven't brought up the Chargers. We haven't brought up the Falcons, all teams that have a history of, you know, poor ownership. And um, I don't want to say poor ownership. I'll say um, kind of some questionable decisions at times um, from ownership and head coaching vacancies that are, are really don't always seem very desirable, but the situations they're in way better than the Eagles, the um, Texans, and unfortunately the Lions. Yeah. Um, like with the Jets, honestly, if they would have had the first overall pick, if ownership was willing to spend, there'd be no better situation or like, of available jobs anywhere in sports, literally, because they have so much money. They would have the first overall pick. They get the choice of anybody they want. And they're still going to have the second choice of anybody they want besides whoever goes first, which is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Um, so like they can still do something really incredible and they have all this money. They can go out and sign, you know, they really need a tight end. They, they need some more offensive line help. They need a good running back. They could use maybe another piece or two on defense. 
and that's all obtainable this off season. So like they could, they could really bring in a legitimate coach um, and they could do something with that team next year. And then the Jags, they're already in a great spot building. Uh, I know obviously ownership is kind of blah, 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 but like they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, if for some reason they take Justin Fields too, it'd be the stupidest shit. It'd be, it'd be the stupidest thing ever. It makes me so angry just even thinking about it. But um, regardless, they're going to get, they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. I'm just going to keep saying that and not even taking any chances on anything. And that's just going to be a hell of a place to be. Um, so like, but really, really though, when you look at all these teams kind of as a whole with these like openings, how many would you say are like truly, you know, it's, it's a good ownership position as well as a, a good team to take over, like based on roster and stuff. Is there any that have that true combination? I think I'd say the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers ownership, like it's good and committed, but it's just do they want to spend the money this year, you know? Like, they don't yeah. always want to spend the money, but they've got a great overall roster, and they're committed to winning. And if you can convince them at all to spend anything, because, I mean, it's going to be a lot easier to convince them now that you see that Justin Herbert is an absolute stud. I think that's probably the best position, and uh, maybe that one uh, job that you were, you know, referring to. So here's the thing with pro sports franchises. The ones that win, they win championships. They don't win without spending money. Unless, like it's it's very rare that they do. You know, you can look at, um, you know, like the athletics back. You know, but like if you watch if you watch Moneyball, for example, you know, back of that, uh, oh, that old A's team that was really focused on analytics. Uh, that was you know because they kind of caught analytics before the curve. Now everybody uses it. You can't have the type of advantage anymore. So you have to spend money. It just is what it is. If you go to a team that's more worried about making money than spending money and getting that money later, you're not going to have success. And that has been a known kind of issue with the Chargers is the ownership is so focused on making money. Uh, you know, they like having a team, but that's the reason that they that they moved to L.A., even though there's already a team there because they wanted to make more money. Um, they're not as driven to win a championship as some other franchises. But at the same time, they probably are more than any of the other franchises with openings, too. So it, it's just it's just a really weird kind of situation, kind of like vacancy offseason, you know? Yeah, for sure. And with the Jaguars, they interviewed Urban Meyer on Friday. It's now Wednesday as of recording. Uh, I, I think for Urban Meyer personally, he either needs to accept or be ready to retire because I, I don't think he's going to get a better coaching offer. I mean, he's going to get a ton of money. There's no income tax in Florida. You're going to get a team with the first overall pick that has some nice offensive weapons and some, you know, solid defensive weapons as they took two defensive players in the first round last year. Um, or may, No, Caleb on chase on was a second round pick or was he a first? I don't know. I whatever. think he's a second round. He should have been a first rounder. He's first round talent. Yeah, exactly. So um, you, you got some nice pieces there. You're going to have the first overall pick this year, the 33rd overall pick this year. Um, everything just points to, an awesome position that you're being offered. So he either accepts or he's got to be ready for retirement because when are you going to get a better offer? Yeah. I mean, I, I got to agree, but at the same time, if he's going to take Justin Fields, then he should retire before he even puts that team in that situation because just take Trevor Lawrence. He's just so much better. Uh, I'm down to see Justin Fields in Jacksonville. That'd be really cool. Uh, Urban Meyer and Fields reunited reunited and it feels so you know good. what you know what I'll, I'll let this happen if we can guarantee the lions get trevor lawrence i'll let that happen otherwise go to jacksonville well i mean the lions could trade stafford i think it's the best i if they could trade stafford and with trevor lawrence then are you kidding me do that in a heartbeat 
well, that wouldn't be the case, but, you know, trading them to the Patriots for, like, a second-round pick, like, no. that'd be awesome. No, I'd rather ride Stafford out at that point. Why? Because I, st- like, regard- like, regardless of his cap hit, he's still a good enough quarterback. If there's a team with cap room, you could probably finagle a first-round pick out of it, and I just, I would, I want that first-round pick. I-, I want that value. If Rosen gets a third-round pick after a horrible rookie year and then gets no chance after that, why shouldn't Matthew Stafford get a first-round pick for a team that has the cap? Um, because he's an older player, had a really poor season last year. Or was it this year that he had the really poor season? Last year he missed half the year. He was on MVP pace, and this year he was solid. Okay, um, so this was the year he had the poor season. Yeah, but, like, the Patriots have enough cap space where they could add, like, take him on and be okay. So just give, give us that first-round pick, New England. You can win a championship. You do bad with your first-round picks anyway. I'd be fine if that were to happen. I mean, I just don't think that's happening because they literally wouldn't trade for Cam Newton. And then once Carolina cut him, they said, no, we're not going to take Cam Newton until like a week before the season started. So I think they're going to play hardball, even if they're interested in Stafford. They're going to play hardball until the Lions are like, all right, we'll take a sixth. Yeah, no, that, that, that won't be happening. Well, we'll see. All right, Chase, let's get into our round two predictions, the divisional round predictions. Uh, First up, we got the Green Bay Packers against the Los Angeles Rams. This is, of course, at Lambeau Field. Who are you taking? This could be a solid game. Uh, Jared Goff should be in, so they should be at as much full capacity as they can. I don't know what the status is on Aaron Donald. No, he got hurt in that game, but I, I think I saw he was practicing. Uh, regardless, I would assume that he plays whether he's practicing or not right now. Um, but the, the Packers are going to win this game. Packers, they got that home field advantage. Not like it's that big of a deal nowadays with COVID, but they're at home. They're a little rested. Um, you know, they've had some older players. They got some time to relax. Mostly Aaron Rodgers is who I'm looking at, and he's going to be ready to sling. He wants one more championship. He's going to be ready to go out and dominate. Yeah, for sure. So this game was kind of easy for me to pick. Um, I mean, it's not, you know, 100% guarantee, um, but a little bit of an easier matchup to pick than the other NFC matchup. So I also took Green Bay. Uh, Before we get into that other NFC matchup, I want to go to the AFC because I think it's in a similar boat. Um, Maybe not for you. But there is a matchup in the AFC that's that's pretty close, and I, I don't have anything written down yet. Um, but we'll go to the easier AFC matchup to predict, at least in my opinion. Uh, Kansas City versus Cleveland. This will be in Kansas City. I don't think it's as close as you think it is. Or I guess far away as you think it is. I think it's closer than you think it is. I'm still going to go Kansas City, um, but I think Cleveland has a chance to win this game. I really do. Well, I didn't say that like it was miles apart. I didn't say anything about this matchup. I just said that the other one I think is super close. Uh, yeah, um, I guess that's fair. But like, I, I just, I legitimately wouldn't like. I'd be surprised if the Browns won, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns won. Like, it'd be like, oh wow, they won. You have to go for them. Wouldn't be like, oh my god, they want them to have a heart attack. I would be more shocked if the Browns win than the fashion that the Browns beat the Steelers. I was not shocked at all with the. Well, I, I'll say I was a little shocked the amount of points they put up in such little time, but the fact that the Browns beat the Steelers wasn't too shocked. So if, if the Browns do beat Kansas City, I'd be more shocked. But 
I, yeah, I mean, I'm taking KC. I, I think you run with a better quarterback. That's what I did in the first matchup between Green Bay and L.A., and that's what I'm doing here as well. So uh, let's go Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. This is the NFC matchup that I think could be really close. You got two legends on each side at quarterback. Um, one has looked absolutely amazing this year. Not sure how at 43 years old. The other, uh, he's looked good since coming back from his little stint off. Um, but in the beginning of the year, he kind of didn't look great. I honestly don't think like I, I think it'll be a still closer game, but I don't I don't know if the Saints will ever have a lead in this game. I think the Bucks might like if especially if they start the ball, they'll take the lead and never lose it. Uh, they're, they're just a better team than the Saints right now. Tom Brady's just a better quarterback right now. Uh, really, they've got kind of everything going for them except for the running back positions where it's a little iffy, but they still make it work with who they have. Um, it's it just the team. It's it's just working so much better right now. I, I have a hard time going against the Bucks here. Yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that uh, you took the Bucks because obviously this whole season you've kind of been um, against yep. them. Not not against them, but you know you had some concern around them. Um, and this is this is one that I think is really hard because the defense is very good for New Orleans, but are they going to be able to stop Brady and all of the weapons that he has? I really don't know. But I, I think I'm going to have to agree. I think I'm going to have to take Tampa Bay here, which is which, – it, it's really one up in the air. I want to know what you guys think about this game. Do you think Tampa's going to take it? Do you think New Orleans is going to take it, take it? Let us know in the comments, and then let us know on Twitter as well. So uh, moving on to the next matchup, I, I did officially go Tampa Bay there. Moving on to the next matchup, this will be an easy one for you to pick, but I think a lot harder for, um, you know, the – the general fans, um, Buffalo and Baltimore. This game's in Buffalo. It should be a good game. Like this one, I think I look forward to this one the most of all the games this weekend. Honestly, because um, I love watching Josh Allen play. So we're gonna see a good running quarterback with a really good arm and like accurate compared to a running back who throws the ball every once in a while. Um, I'm going with the Bills in this one. I think the Bills are gonna end up. It's, it's gonna be another kind of close margin of victory. Should be an entertaining game, but Lamar, like he he can he's he's kind of like a slightly more throwing Ryan Tannehill from last year. You know, he only had 179 yards last week. I don't know if he cracks 200 this week. Yeah, and the the, the reason this one's so hard for me is as of recent, I've liked Baltimore's defense better than the Colts' defense. Uh, I've liked the Colts' run game overall better than the Ravens, uh, especially with the explosion of Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, similar in the fact that Baltimore has a phenomenal run game and it really is headed by Lamar Jackson rather than their, uh, you know, trio or quadruple uh, running backs that are just all great. Um, And I think that the turnovers and the terrible plays from Phillip Rivers isn't going to be matched by Lamar. However, like I said earlier, I got to go with the better quarterback, so I'm going Buffalo here. It makes me happy that Josh Allen is really finally getting the recognition. You know, I've been talking about it this year. I, leg- I legit thought he could be an elite quarterback coming out of college. Everyone's like, no, there's no way. His rookie year was brutal, of course. Second year, not much better. This year, he, you know, it finally came together. He got a receiver that's perfect for the type of quarterback that he is. You know, he can, he's got a fast receiver who's got really good hands. Really, you know, he's also like a, he's like a very solid contested physical type receiver too. 
So when Josh Allen runs out of the pocket, Diggs can run around. He can find him. It just it works perfectly. I'm so happy that this that this trade happened. Uh, it really couldn't have worked out any better. And I'm I'm just I'm just so happy that that people are with me finally. Yeah, it did work out, and I I think that it worked out even better than the DeAndre Hopkins trade, which oh, I yeah. definitely would not have seen coming because uh, at the time it looked like. The, the steal of the offseason was the Cardinals getting DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and what was it, like a fourth or something and a second? A second. So, like, absolutely unbelievable. Um, but the Stefan Diggs thing has worked, I think, so much better than, uh, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins has been phenomenal, don't get me wrong, and he's looked yeah. great with um, uh, shortstop Kyler Murray, <laughs> but... <laughs> but they're not in the playoffs. Josh yeah. Allen and Stefan Diggs are. So um, uh, a really good team. And I think that I would just absolutely fall in love with a Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes matchup. And Ooh, I think that's yeah. what we're going to get. Uh, I, I really hope so. It'd be so exciting. But before we move on to our next little bit, how different do you think things would be if the Bills kept their draft pick and they took Justin Jefferson? Like How would you think we'd still see similar type of results? Uh, you think both players do what they did? I, I personally think Justin Jefferson could have had a very similar type of season, but Stefan Diggs and the Vikings would have had a much different season. Yeah, I think, I think both situations would have worked less favorably. Uh, obviously That's the fair. Vikings even more less favorably than what the bills would be. But I think that Stefan Diggs is a better receiver than Jefferson right now. And Jefferson, phenomenal rookie year, going to be an absolute superstar, no doubt in my mind, if he's not already a superstar. But just the experience that Stefan Diggs can bring, um, I think that Jefferson, if he translated over to the Bills, maybe a, a notch down in production. Uh, Josh Allen's production would go a notch down. And then on the Vikings, I mean, there is already chaos going on between Stefan Diggs and the Vikings. That's why he got out of there. So I think overall production on both ends would be a notch down. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I would say Justin Jefferson would still be in for a thousand yard season. Uh, you know, he had a 1400 yards this year. So um, but Stefan Diggs, I don't think he would crack a thousand. Like he hadn't really like very often in Minnesota, if ever, honestly. Um, so it, it really worked out as well as it could for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, I'm just really excited about all of the quarterback matchups we get to see this week, but also that we should be able to see in the future. Um, you got Green Bay versus L.A. I mean, that's not a great quarterback matchup because I'm not a big fan of Jared Goff, but both quarterbacks are from Cal. So there's a storyline going into it. Then Tampa Bay and New Orleans. I mean, the two goats of our generation. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can put Peyton Manning in there. Um, you probably could actually, but, um, then you have Kansas city versus Cleveland, Patrick Mahomes, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, if not the best. And then you got Baker Mayfield, um, kind of a, a a chirpy, uh, a guy that's, you know, kind of going to get in your face a little bit if he sees success. And they had a phenomenal game in college, Oklahoma versus Texas tech. I think, uh, Oklahoma won it. And I think, Baker had like seven touchdowns and Mahomes had six or something crazy. So uh, we're going to see a rematch of that. And then Lamar and Josh Allen, same draft class, 
Who's the better quarterback? One has an MVP. One looked like a much better quarterback this year and was in the race for the MVP. Who is the ultimate number one dog from that draft class? Josh Allen. Yeah, so uh, really exciting <laughs> matchups. And if the matchups go as we predict them, then we'll have Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. Who Must wouldn't want to see that? Must yeah. watch football, both those games. Exactly. So uh, very excited to see how this week pans out. And then the week after should be even more exciting, but uh, we can't get ahead of ourselves too much. So we hope you guys absolutely enjoy the hell out of the games that we see this week. Hey, Mike, uh, really, really quick. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, this, this isn't a football thing, but I know you're going to love it. So I want to get your reaction on the podcast. Uh, Mark Stone named the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. Why? <laughs> he's, he's their leader, you know. They gave no, up a lot not. for him. They pay, paid for him. He's their leader. He's their captain. He's the first captain I, in franchise history. I would rather say, I'd rather see Petri Angelo get the captain the very first year he's there than Mark Stone. What? It's been only, what, two years? A year and a half. Yeah, I, I honestly thought Petri Angelo was going to get it walking in. Char got it walking into Boston. It worked out just fine. I know it didn't work out for Edmonton, giving it to Andrew Ferentz, but that's not going to happen with Petri Angelo. Petri Angelo was a longtime captain, uh, and he is a proven, legitimate, good defenseman, so I really thought that's where that was going. But the fact that it goes to Mark Stone is just even funnier. I just I don't know what they're doing, but uh, that's fine. If you guys want to get some more hockey takes, make sure to go check out our hockey show. And we're, we're going to be doing some more hockey stuff here on WNP, too, uh, as the playoffs wind down and as hockey gets into, you know, a, a big uh, flow as, you know, the season starts as of recording on Wednesday. So very excited for that. Um, but yeah, if you want to check out uh, our other show, which is the Bolts broadcast, it's hockey oriented, uh, mainly about the Tampa Bay Lightning, but we do talk about the NHL as a whole. Uh, that's again, the Bolts broadcast. You can find it on any um, podcast platform and at the hockey podcast network.com. And then of course, our Twitter is at Bolts broadcast, but that's going to do it for this show. We really appreciate you guys coming out and giving us a listen. If you could give us a follow at WNP sports pod on Twitter to stay up to date with all that we do. Our other socials will also be down in the description, uh, our Twitter and our Facebook. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, if you could give us a like, give us a comment, let us know who you guys have winning these wild card or these, uh, divisional round matchups, uh, and then subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. If you're listening on a podcast platform, if you could give us a five-star rating, we would really, really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, and that's going to do it. So thank you for listening. And as always, we're not professionals. 